This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Dora County Pulse podcast. My name is Deborah Fitzgerald, editor of The Pulse. And today on this kind of snowy day in Bailey's Harbor, we have Mariah Good in the podcast studio. Mariah is the director of land use services for the county of Dora. Welcome, Mariah. Thanks. Happy to be here. And how long have you been with the county? I have been the director for 16 and a half years, and then I also worked there as a zoning administrator and planner for four years in the 90s. Okay, so it is probably not a stretch to say that you know more about zoning in Door County than probably any other person on the peninsula. I don't know about that, but I know a lot. (laughs) Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about today. We started having a conversation I want to say it was in December when I was doing a story on the comparison between Cape Cod and Door County, and we were trying to nail down how much of Door County is actually developed. And there are a number of layers, GIS layers, that the county has, but it's still kind of a tricky number. And we will get into that after the break on what we maybe came up with as an approximation for that, but what else needs to happen. But before we do that, what I wanted to do is talk about the County of Doors role in zoning and how things are built in Dora County and how things are developed. We normally only hear about developments that are unpopular after they are being constructed. And by that time, it's it's way too late. And so people are normally saying things like, how did that happen? You know, what? where is our zoning? Why can't we, you know, change this? And so let's talk about the County of Dora's role with zoning. What is it? So the way Wisconsin is set up, cities and villages do their own planning and zoning. So in Door County, you've got the city of Sturgeon Bay, and then we've got four villages. You've got three in Northern Door, Sister Bay, Egg Harbor, and Ephraim. And in Southern Door, you've got Village of Forestville. So those five entities are completely separate from anything else. They have their own plan commissions, their own zoning codes, everything. And then of the 14 towns, it's also a mixture because under Wisconsin statute, they have different options as a town as to what they can do. So of the 14 towns, nine of them are under county zoning. And, Two, and oh. what, let's, let's just you talk about list that off which first. Ones? Yeah, let's, okay. let's list those and let's talk about what that means when you say under county, county zoning. zoning. Okay, sure. So, yeah, maybe I should back up and say there's actually three different types of zoning. We have shoreland zoning, which is mandated by the state, and that's the county has to administer that, and we have to administer that in all 14 towns. Okay. Not in the villages or the city. Those are separate, and they're not subject to the same laws. Really? I didn't know that. I thought thought shoreland zoning, because it was state, was for everyone. Nope. It's not for the incorporated villages and cities. Okay. Um, So that also causes confusion because people wonder, why did that get to be so close to the water in that area when I had to put my house back 75 feet. And that's potentially one reason why. So shoreland zoning is... Sorry to interrupt, but can they actually be less strict than the state's shoreland zoning? So if I live in the city, in the village of Sister Bay, and I want to put something way closer to the shore than the state shoreland zoning would allow, 
Can the village adopt an ordinance that is less strict? Yes, because they don't have to follow the state shoreline standards wow. at all. So you can just be like, if, if they decide to have an ordinance that you're five feet from the shore, it's okay. Correct. Wow. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. So shoreline zoning is administered by the county only in the towns. And it really only, for the most part, affects the parcels that are right on the water. There's some rules a little bit further inland, but not much. And then the county also has floodplain zoning, which is also mandated by the state and by FEMA, the federal government. And that we have to administer in all 14 towns. And we don't get any say in what the maps look like. And we get very little say in what the actual regulations are. Who does? The state or the... the state and the federal government okay. give us like the maps and the elevations that we need to regulate for floodplain and that kind of thing. Okay. And the town doesn't really have anything to say about no. that. No. Okay. And the villages and the city do also have to follow floodplain rules. Well, it, it's complicated, but for generally villages in the city do have floodplain zoning also. Mm -hmm. But again, they're doing that on their own. That's not part of the county administration of the ordinance. Right. The part that gets more what about at, mining. Don't you also do mining or is that if part of county ordinance that isn't an overlay over everything? If there if there's a town that's in comprehensive zoning, which I'll explain in a minute, then our ordinance does regulate in what zoning districts you can have a mine. But if it's an unzoned town, then we don't regulate it. There would be like reclamation plan overview and oversight that would come from Door County Soil and Water Conservation Department, okay. but not the actual like location of where the mine was going to go. All right. So back to the towns that have county zoning. So when, when we talk about county zoning, usually what we're referring to is county comprehensive zoning, because that's the one where there's more latitude as to what regulations we put in it and whether a town is part of it or not. So the way the state statute is set up, if a town is in a county with a county comprehensive zoning ordinance, which Door County has, they have three options. They can either adopt county comprehensive zoning, and then the county has zoning jurisdiction through that entire town, not just in the Shoreland. Or, and we have nine towns that have done that in Door County. Or they can choose to, with county board approval, adopt their own zoning. So we have two towns out of the 14 that have done that. Two, they're both in Southern Door. Or they can choose to not do anything, and then that means that the only thing the county is doing in those towns is regulating the shoreland and the floodplain ordinances. Okay. And we have three towns where that's the case. Okay. So what are the nine towns that are in comprehensive zoning with the county? So the nine towns that have county comprehensive zoning are Bailey's Harbor, Claybanks, Forestville, Gibraltar, Jacksonport, Liberty Grove, Sebastopol, Sturgeon Bay, and Washington. Okay. Mostly concentrated in Northern Door. Correct. Yeah. yeah oh, central and north. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the two towns that have adopted their own zoning ordinances are Brussels and Union. Oh, okay. And then the towns that have no zoning. The towns that have just the shoreland and floodplain zoning are Town of Egg Harbor, Gardner, and Nassawapi. Now, those towns do have other ordinances that mm -hmm. are in place, but they don't have zoning ordinances. Okay. So, for instance, the Town of Egg Harbor, when it was going through the public hearings to bring a Dollar General on Highway 42 next to that fun park, they ultimately they were looking at that under one of those ordinances. So, even if, though the town doesn't have zoning, they do have an ordinance that pertains to aesthetics. Right. I think they have an ordinance that pertains to aesthetics if it's a non-residential building, right, and that's commercial. probably what they were doing. Yeah. So they have, Town of Egg Harbor has a sign code. They've got a code that talks about how land can be subdivided and uh, a building code that sets density limits and things like that. But they don't have a zoning ordinance, which 
a zoning ordinance divides an area into like residential and commercial and agricultural districts. And then it says what lot size and what setbacks and what uses can happen in each of those districts. And Egg, Egg Harbor, Gardner, and Nassawapi do not have that type of ordinance. Okay. And so they really plot it out when, you know, they do have county zoning or if they have their own zoning. So which one of the towns has the least amount of rules and regulations regarding what can go where? Hmm. Probably either Gardner or Nassawapi because they they don't have as many town level ordinances as I think Egg Harbor does. Okay. And I know that Gardner was in the process of developing a zoning ordinance or deciding whether or not they wanted county zoning. They, right. They, they've been meeting and talking off and on for years, but more frequently in recent months about whether or not they want to adopt zoning. I believe they had a town vote at an election maybe last year saying that they want to do adopt zoning. Now they've been trying to decide if they want to do county zoning or town zoning. But that could all change depending on what happens with the election this spring. I think there might be some turnover there. Right. Or there could be, I should say, based on what I saw as far as candidates listed in the polls. Yes, they have a primary, actually. And they they did have a contested race a couple of years ago, too. It was that mine that was put in when neighbors found out that they really had no say over it. And so that kind of got the ball rolling on them, you know, putting together a mining ordinance and then also taking a look at zoning. Right. So what does it mean if I am a town that has county zoning and... A developer comes to me, like, say, in Bailey's Harbor, and they want to, you know, put up a new commercial building on Highway 42. So what is the process? What is the county's role? What is the town's role? So when a town adopts county zoning, it really means that the county is administering everything. The town, There are definitely opportunities for a town to give input on things, usually, though, only formally if there's a public hearing of some sort. But the town would, if there's a public hearing, what we do is we review the application at the staff level and make sure that it meets all the ordinance requirements. And then we send it to the towns and give them essentially up to a month to look at the project and provide any input that they like before we start our public notice processes. Okay. Just that town, not all of the towns that are under county zone. Right. It's, yeah. If it's yeah. a project that's just in that town, nobody else gets to weigh in okay. on it. And the town really only does get to weigh in on it formally, like I said, if there's going to be a public hearing. If you're building, you know, a house or something that's just meeting all the ordinance requirements and isn't something that's considered a conditional use and it doesn't need a variance, then you you just turn in your application and staff process it and the town probably doesn't see any of it until after it's been issued. Okay, so then let's talk about that. If I'm constructing a commercial building on Highway 57 and I meet all of the setback requirements and I don't need a variance and I don't need a conditional use permit, then I would simply give my development plans to the county or the town. How does that? Technically, it's going to end up being both, but the zoning permit will be to the county. Okay. Because we're the ones that are administering that ordinance. And when I said both, the reason that the town is eventually also going to see the plans is because towns do the building inspection or hire out the building inspection piece 
so there's going to be somebody that's going to be separately looking at, you know, basically state code with regard to what type of building it is, whether it's residential or commercial. Okay. So then I develop, I, I send the county my development plans and it doesn't trigger any of those public hearings because it conforms with the zoning requirements. So then is there, and then the town gets a copy of the development plans because the building inspector is going to be, you know, issuing the building permit. But is there any aesthetic review? Is there any review of signage? Is there any review of anything else? So the county, part of the county zoning ordinance does include a chapter on signs. And we rewrote that chapter, I think, four or five years ago because there had been some significant changes at the federal level with the U.S. Supreme Court decision. And so we needed to completely rewrite our code. So we do have some regulations with regard to signage. If a town wants to regulate more than we do in terms of signs, they can adopt an additional ordinance. And the town of Gibraltar has done that. I don't know that any other town has done that in Door County. Okay. But that would be a possibility. Can they do that for anything? Like not just signage, but for instance, if they decide that they want to always have a say in what kind of landscaping is going around a commercial building, can they develop an ordinance that is stricter than what would be in county zoning? Towns can still adopt ordinances on top of county zoning that regulate things that may either be touched on or completely ignored, I guess, in the county zoning ordinance. So the county zoning ordinance, for example, has very little, almost nothing with regard to, to design. Hmm. So a town that even if it's in county zoning has the ability, if they want to, to adopt a town level design ordinance. Okay. And I would think that that could certainly include landscaping requirements as well as maybe additional aesthetic requirements with regard to signs or building styles or things like that. So far, none of the towns have done that. I actually probably like 15 or 20 years ago tried to encourage some of the towns to start thinking about doing that because mm. it's not something that the county has the ability to take on in terms of time and, and resources. And also, when we first started talking about it with some of the towns 15, 16 years ago, I had them bring in examples of buildings that they liked and didn't like, and I wanted them to pick the buildings that they didn't like in a different town. Mm. And some of the pictures that got brought in by Town X of what they didn't like were pictures of things that Town Y had brought in of things that they liked in oh, their town. So that's when the county just said, you know, we're definitely not going to take this on. This is going to have to be at the at the local level. But so far, none of them have really adopted design standards. Okay, except for the town of Egg Harbor. I mean, they do right. have, right, some, some. So that's interesting because that's where most of the controversy happens. When people are saying, I really don't like how that looks. I really don't like the design of that. And in order to maintain the character that people say that they want to maintain for their individual towns, then it seems like they would want to have more control over that aspect of the commercial development. We definitely, I mean, there are certainly often complaints about traffic or noise or lighting or things like that. But I think you're right that a lot of the time what people don't like is the way something looks. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, that's not really regulated. There are if, if, and more subjective, than anything Definitely. else. And that it's it's harder to write that type of ordinance, which may be why nobody's done it yet. But sure. there are questions when somebody needs, say, a conditional use permit. So that's when it's not just staff that processes it at the county level. It's got to go to the county resource planning committee for a public hearing. And they talk about things like noise, traffic, dust, lighting, character of the neighborhood, visual harmony of buildings. And so some of those criteria, like the visual harmony of buildings and character of the neighborhood, that gets added a little bit in terms of design. But usually by that point, the person obviously has already designed their project. 
And since there aren't set standards about how those things are being defined either by the county or the town, it's very hard for the resource planning committee to usually deny a project just based on those items. Okay. And when they're imposing things, so the the building that doesn't have to go for a conditional use permit or a variance is basically just getting approved, making sure that it fits the use and it fits the criteria of that particular zoning for that use. And that's it. There's no public hearing. There's no anything. It just then the town reviews it. They issue a building permit. Right. Yeah. So we'll check setbacks, density, height limitations. Does the parking comply with what the ordinance requires? Do they need landscaping? How much green space do they have to leave, et cetera? Okay. Okay. Because impervious surface is part of that, meaning that they can't just, you know, pave the entire thing. There has to be a percentage of impervious surface that is built into the project. Okay. Yeah. Each zoning district has a set level of impervious surfaces that are allowed in that district. You are allowed now, and this is just new in the last four or five years, you are allowed now to go over those numbers if you put a stormwater runoff control plan in place that's been approved by the county soil and water conservation department that's going to treat that excess runoff. Okay. And so if they need a conditional use permit, which means that that use isn't allowed in the zoning unless there's a conditional use permit, or if they need a variance, then it goes through a public hearing process. Then the public is more likely to know about it because they are invited to give comments on the project. And then the town is involved. So there's a lot more involvement for that kind of a project. Right. Because we'll send, after we've determined that everything meets the ordinance standards on our end, if it needs a public hearing, it does go to the town for that additional review time before we start our notice procedures. And we also, at that point, when we send the note, that that packet of information to the town to look at. We notify all of the neighbors within 300 feet of that project. doesn't mean that only people from within 300 feet can comment, but we just directly notify those folks. So there's meetings at the town level that they can potentially go to, or they can send either written testimony or come and testify at the county level hearing as well. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. So there are a lot of people who think that there's too much development pressure in Door County. Is there anything that the county of Door can do in terms of development pressure or any advice that you can give towns about development pressure and what can be done about that? It's definitely been really busy the last couple of years. I mean, I think A combination of COVID and kind of the changing demographics of the state and the country and the real estate market and the stock market and everything else has led to a a really big boom in terms of numbers of new homes and and permits and things like that in Door County. Not to put you on the spot right here because we're in the studio, but do you have any idea the number of building permits that have the increase in building permits over the past couple of years? No, I actually, I don't. Um, And people ask that question a lot. And the trouble in answering that question goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is that you've got a city and four villages that are issuing their own permits. And then you've got two towns that are 
are issuing their own permits. And then you've got the county issuing permits for nine towns. And then you've got three other towns that there may be multiple or different entities or no entity issuing permits for something. So it's hard to come up with numbers. I can tell you, though, our office, we have one of our staff members does the address assignments for the county. This isn't even a remote indication of the number of permits because a lot of permits are going to a property that already has an address. But the number of new addresses that we've assigned in the last couple of years has been, I think, at least twice, if not close to three times as many as we would have in a normal year. Really? So mm-hmm. that, that that does sound like a good measure. I mean, because it is new addresses that we're talking about when we talk about development pressure, unless there's a much larger footprint on an existing building that's going. So when you say about three times more, what is what is a typical year, roughly, for new addresses? For new addresses, usually probably only about about 100, and it's been closer to like 300 the last two years. And I should also say that the addressing is different than the zoning and other regulations we've been talking about. The county does do address assignments for all the entire geographic area of all 14 towns. Mm. And we also do the address number assignments for, I think, three of the villages in the city, although we don't do the installation of the signs there. Mm-hmm. But so that that number is probably the closest thing we'd have as far as gauging kind of brand new development sure. in the county. So definitely busier. Yes. And so, oh, yeah, I guess I avoided the question. Well, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, you actually added more um, information, which is good. So I had more questions for it. Yeah, as so, far as like development pressure, um, there's only certain limited ways under Wisconsin state statutes that you could impose like a moratorium and you can't just do it because you feel like you're too busy and, and you want to like halt things and regroup. You you can, municipalities have the ability, I think if they're going to be doing a new zoning ordinance, I think, I haven't looked at these statutes in a while, but I think you can do that. You could adopt a moratorium, but it's only for like a year while you, and the purpose is supposed to be to rewrite your code. Okay. I think but you can that do doesn't it. even sound like it would be a good idea, moratorium on all building, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, so I, that probably just, yeah, isn't a That's the option. extreme. We'll call that the extreme. I mean, if statute allows that, that a town can halt things for a specified period of time in order to be able to write a zoning. No. Yeah. Right. And, and again, if you're under county zoning, yeah, I'm not, I guess maybe if you were writing a design code, you'd be able to do that. But okay. But I think my best advice would be that the towns just try and be as proactive as possible in looking at what are the zoning districts that are in place in your town and what are the regulations that are in place in your town and are there changes that you would like to see as a town to to your map? So are there zoning districts that you think you aren't really working for you? And so you want to look at a different zoning district that's an option under county zoning? The t- county has shied away from or is shying away from doing town-specific regulations. We used to have a lot of regulations in the zoning ordinance that only applied to one town or to one town in a particular zoning district. And it started getting really cumbersome for staff to administer. And so a lot of those regulations aren't in place anymore. But we have probably like 20 some zoning districts. And so there's a lot of options for towns to take a look at if they want to think about some changes for their town. Or if there's regulations that they think they want to change, they could always band together as a group of towns and ask for changes that would apply to everybody, not just to their town. Okay. So I guess it would take some soul searching for the town, first of all, which is to decide like what your issues are. Do we care about noise, congestion, traffic, pedestrian access, green space, 
do we care about how it looks? And, you know, do we want some conformance in, in those areas, which really no town has or village has in Dura County uh, in terms of a similar look, except for maybe uh, Ephraim. I was going to say, Ephraim, Ephraim does have, I believe they have a design code and a historic preservation ordinance, but it could be wrong. It could just be one of those. But yeah, they're the only ones I think that really look at the aesthetics usually. Okay. Is it important for the county to know how developed all of Dora County is? <laughs> that might be. Yeah. <laughs> I might have thrown so, you a curveball there. <laughs> I mean, I knew we were going to talk about this topic, yeah. but um, I I don't know, I guess is the answer. I mean, it the, number, the numbers seem to mean something to people. And a lot of people I know contacted you and me after the woman from the Cape Cod Commission was here earlier, or I guess last year. Yes. And that was with Erin numbers. Perry. Yeah. She was, we'll just backtrack a little bit to set, you know, the context for this. But Erin Perry, who is the deputy director of the Cape Cod Commission, zoomed in for a virtual informational meeting that the Door County Environmental Council had hosted at the Crest Pavilion. And she was talking about the Cape Cod Commission and in its role in trying to preserve the Cape, like trying to make it remain the Cape in light of the development that was happening and in light of the tourism that it receives. And one number that she cited just really jumped out at me, and that was all of the Cape's land is 86% of all Cape land is already developed to protect it. So that kind of set off, then I contacted you to find out, do we know that about Door County? And then you said, you know, we really need to know how they came up with that number. And so we went back and forth with Erin to try and see if their numbers and how they came up with that 86% is something that we can come up with here. And, you know, there are some numbers that we came up with that are close, But if you look at their numbers, for instance, 86% is already developed or protected. 40% of that 86% is protected land. But she also said that a parcel can be developed and protected. So you were giving some examples of that, like maybe the ridges or crossroads, right? Yeah. yeah. So we had back in the 90s when I worked at the planning department, as it was called then, we put together a geographic information system map layer that tried to show all the lands that were protected in the county. And we focused on things that we thought would probably be permanently protected. So things owned by the land trust, the nature conservancy, the DNR, the towns, but not every town parcel, just parcels that were really truly, you know, preserves of some sort. So we had put together a GIS layer and I know that Becky in my office pulled together some new numbers for you for 2022 as far as a percentage for that. She did. So the number of lands that are protected. Let me backtrack on that. So there are a total of 311,768 acres in Door County total. And of that, the 2022 figure for protected lands is 32,884. So that would be 10.5% of all acreage in Dora County is considered protected. Right. And that would be things that, and, and I think we were pretty conservative when we've been trying to put those map layers together, assuming mm-hmm. these are going to be permanently protected. Okay. Um, but as far as some of the numbers, again, in like the back and forth you and I had about the Cape, I think 
what is it, like 60% of Door County's parcels, and there's 40-some thousand parcels, have yeah. some kind of building on them. It could just be a tiny little shed, but you know, 60% or so have some building or another. That doesn't necessarily mean those properties are developed. It could be you know, somebody's 40-acre parcel that they hunt on, and they just have a shed there that they store some equipment and supplies in. Or, you know, that number could be a parcel that's completely covered with buildings and can't be further developed because they've maxed out every setback and every density allowance and everything else. So it's really hard to try and nail down when a parcel is completely developed or not. And that's why I was right. really curious about how the CAPE was doing it. And that's why what she said was they categorized parcels with structures greater than 500 square feet as developed. So that kind of gets at, you know, it's not just an outhouse unless it's a really ostentatious <laughs> outhouse. So 500 square feet or more is what they used using assessor's data as parcels that are considered developed. And that was a good point that you brought up because I was heading down the impervious surface road, no pun intended, but you had indicated that 60.5% of all Door County parcels are improvements of some kind. So then we switched to that impervious surface number, which I was really interested in. So impervious surfaces, every building structure, sidewalk, parking lot, road, driveway, anything that has an impervious surface on it, which means that there is nothing getting through it. Right. There's no green space. There's no grass. There's no right. landscaping. So that's why I thought that that might be a good measure for, you know, what is developed in Dora County. Because if you have a 5,000 square foot house or a 10,000 square foot house, all of that square footage is going to be counted in the impervious surface, as well as a driveway, as well as, you know, the garage or an outbuilding. But that, I forget what the number was that we came up with for you, but it was pretty low. And I can't Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, well, let me just throw that out there because it was so low. That's why you were a little bit reluctant on that. But that number was the impervious surface area calculation is 9,321 acres, which really is only 3% of the total. Right. And the reason I think it, it's to me, it's actually interesting to know that number just because that the impervious surfaces do relate to things like, you know, stormwater runoff and things like that. But that I do think that number is really misleading in terms of a, being a proxy for development because, you know, think about a property in downtown Bailey's Harbor that's got a business and a parking lot and it does have some green space on it. And so that that green space wouldn't be obviously included in that impervious surface number. But anybody driving by or walking by that parcel isn't going to think, oh, you know, that property is partially undeveloped. It's To them, it's going to look <laughs> right. like it's completely developed. So it is, it's a hard thing to tease out the level of, of development. Right. So if we were just to use the impervious surface and the protected lands, then we would come up to something like 13.48% of all of Dora County is developed, which seems really low, especially considering 86% of a place like the Cape, which is a lot more thickly settled. Right. It really doesn't have a lot in common with Dora County when it comes to that, but still it seems low. Yeah, well, what was the CAPE number again for the actual developed part? Or did uh, she not break that out? She didn't, well, she didn't break it out. She broke it out only in the sense that it was 40% of that 86% figure is protected. 
Okay. So that would be about 46% of it is okay. developed with 500 square feet or more. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think the year round population of the Cape is over 200,000. So, I mean, Correct. you're talking about some place that's seven or eight times as high population wise as Door County. Right. And then also, I don't think at least not in the county tax records, I don't think we have the ability to look for size of building. I'm sure the local municipal assessors have it, but it'd be, it might be kind of a chore to try and track down things that are 500 square feet or more. Mm-hmm. You could kind of try and do a proxy of looking at the improved parcels and picking a value and just saying, okay, maybe we're not going to count anything where the value of the structure or structures on the property is less than, I don't know what the number is, $10,000 maybe. Mm -hmm. And then we would count those as being undeveloped. But then you still get into the whole issue of like, how do you decide when a property is completely developed? So if I have a house and a garage on my property, am I completely developed? Or if I, if my lot's big enough and I can actually split that in half, Mm -hmm. is my lot completely developed? So it's, so it'd be very tricky. To come up with that. It definitely be tricky. Yeah. Again, is it something that is important? Do you think it's important to know those numbers? I think it's it's interesting and maybe it's important from an environmental or ecological standpoint if you need to have a certain kind of critical mass as far as, you know, habitat and water quality and things like that. As far as the actual development, I don't know whether that's something that's more in the aesthetics of, of what people want to see when they mm-hmm. come to Door County or go to a particular town in Door County. Right. I know the Cape actually, I think back in the 90s, had established a goal of having half of their land be permanently protected. They did. That was what the Cape Cod Commission, Mm -hmm. um, they came up with that. Um, And I don't know if they just picked that or if they thought that was a reasonable goal, if they were getting close to that already or how they came up with that. You bring up a good point with that because is there anything in in the land of zoning that says this is a perfect balance? I don't think so. I mean, there's obviously all sorts of discussion and concepts regarding sustainability and in related topics like that, but I just I, I don't know that there is a certain number that you would come up a ratio. Right. You know, if if you're going to be a sustainable community that, oh, well, I guess you would have to come up with your goals first. Right, because um, I was going to say, are you going to produce your own food? Because then you yeah. need to have a right. certain amount of agriculture. <laughs> right. So, I mean, really, you would have, it comes back to, and especially in a place like Door County, where, you know, the towns are very individualized, not not just in feel and in what they think about themselves, but strictly speaking, through zoning and what it is that is allowed within the town versus what is not allowed within the town. And they need to come up with those things, it sounds like, themselves as individual entities. Definitely in terms of the yeah the design part and mm-hmm. how big do you want your downtown to be compared to kind of, you know, the more outskirts or outlying regions? What type of development do you want to see in those outlying areas or do you just want it to be as rural feeling and looking as possible? Right. Are there any big issues at the Land Use Planning Services Department right now that pertain to zoning that you like, I mean, overall, like big things? big big picture types of things that your department is tackling? We are tackling a lot of cleanup ordinance amendments right now. Topic-wise, one thing that I think we're going to be doing is our regulations with regard to like wind energy, solar energy mm. are very outdated. And actually the county board in December, we had them repeal the wind energy ordinance that we had on the books because we that. couldn't even administer it anymore because it's not in 
compliance with state law. Okay. And actually, the initial discussion that we've had with the Resource Planning Committee about basically, we're just calling it utilities, so wind energy, solar energy, and actually communication towers, which was a hot topic a large handful of years ago. The track that the county seems to be heading down now is that we're going to probably repeal all of our regulations with regard to those matters and then let the towns, if they want to, just go ahead and administer their own ordinances for those if they want. For clean energy things. When like- any utility thing. We've got some really outdated references in our statu- or in our county code with regard to okay. different types of utilities. Even if somebody wanted to do like a new electrical transmission station, we've got regulations that are just outdated. So our thought is to just pull that all completely out because between either the state and or the federal government and or the public service commission, it's all regulated by somebody else. So that'll be one batch of amendments that we're going to have coming through. Okay. We're looking at some cleanup things to other chapters. Probably the biggest thing that we did last year in first part of 2022 was we did a lot of text amendments with regard to housing to try and make certain types of housing development easier to do either process wise or increasing density in certain either zoning districts or types of projects so okay and you're very active in in that role i spent a lot of time doing yeah affordable housing work right okay well mariah there is so much that we could have talked about we actually sat down and kind of charted it out because we didn't want to push it past the limits so i think we accomplished we We got through a lot of ground here in a reasonable amount of time with a limited number of numbers, which I was a little concerned about too, citing a lot of statistics while people are listening to this while they're driving or, you know, doing something else. But thank you so much. And I think that you will probably be a guest again and again as we start to take a look at some of these development pressures that are really building on Door County and whether or not they're real. So thanks so much for coming in. Yeah, you're welcome. It was fun. Thank you. All right. Again, you're listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. My name is Deb Fitzgerald. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.